you are going to remember where you were right now for the rest of your life. You are listening to On the Mound with Max Stanzer, Matt Sossler, and Tommy Muma on VIC Radio. Good morning and welcome to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. I'm Max Tanzer, joined by my co-hosts Matt Sossler and Tommy Muma. And we got you all covered for your baseball news on this snowy morning as we are breaking down everything from the Yankees' injury woes to our breakdowns for the National League Central and American League West. Tommy, Matt, how are you guys doing this morning? Great. How are you? I'm good, Matt. Pretty, pretty good. Snow is not good, but baseball season's almost here, so that's a bright spot. Now, I'll tell you, before we get into the baseball, we had some team bonding exercises last <laughs> night. We went out to Cornell to get some bowling in, and Tommy almost took the place down by throwing <laughs> a, a bowling ball at a pillar yesterday. <laughs> let's, let's hear more about that. Well, all, all that is true, but, um, you know, Matt was going up there. We're in our second game, our last game. And, uh, you know, thought I'd mix things up a little bit. And I, uh, we, there was an open lane next to ours, so I was going to go from the side and try to, like, hit Matt's ball. But instead, I, I missed terribly, and I, I hit the pillar. <laughs> I thought you were going to take the whole building down. So. Yeah, well, I said to you before, I said, wait, we're going to get thrown out. And you're like, why? And I come back, and you're like, what are you doing? I told you what I was going to do. Well, okay, I didn't think it would look like that. No, anyway, it at, was least, a little rough. at least the building did not fall down. But, however, Steinbrenner <laughs> Field in Tampa Bay, that building may be falling down. As several Yankees are <laughs> hitting the injured list here a couple weeks into spring training. The biggest names, Luis Severino and Giancarlo Stanton, just a couple weeks after James Paxton has hit the IL as well. Severino, Tommy John surgery, you talked about it. Once you heard the loose bodies, you even said on the show you, that has Tommy John written all over it, and now he's out for the remainder of the 2020 season. And Giancarlo Stanton, a calf injury that should have him out for at least opening day. Tommy, let, let's hear your thoughts on this. This is obviously what Yankees fans don't want to see right now. Absolutely. I mean, it's very disappointing um, for many reasons because Luis Severino, this is something that occurred um, last year in the postseason. And with James Paxton, that was the same thing. It occurred in the postseason. And uh, the Yankees did get rid of a lot of their training staff. D- uh, Stevie Donahue has also been demoted, um, new doctors for the team as well. So they're trying to improve that. But it's disappointing that these injuries are carrying over, um, you know. And obviously Severino, he missed almost all of last year, only made three starts. He looked good in his time there, but um, obviously um, very disappointing to lose him for about a year and a half. And then with Giancarlo Stanton, I, I don't know. I mean, he played 18 games last year, and this is his second calf injury with the Yankees. He's had five injuries overall. Um, I don't know what to say at this point. I mean, when is he going to be on the field healthy for the Yankees? I still have faith in him. But at this point, it's like he's stealing money from the team because he's not (laughs) playing. And, uh, you know, you don't really see that drive that um, Yankee fans want for him to get back on the field. But I'm still very hopeful. We have him for seven more years, so hopefully he can uh, earn his pinstripes. So by that rate, seven more years, does that, you said he had six injuries? 
He's at five, but yeah. five, five. That makes it, so. Does that mean thirty-five more injuries for John Carlos Stanton? I certainly hope not. That would be uh, that would be, be a lot. <laughs> it would. But either way, for Stanton, it's tough news for the Yankees. Matt, what do you think about it? I think you know. I think it's rough. Anytime any franchise has this kind of thing happen, especially this close to the to the season, it's it throws the throws the team for a loop, especially when you're arguing. Your top two, your second pitcher in the rotation probably out. Your third pitcher in the rotation out as well. And now you got to take a guy who you signed for one of the highest, sal- the highest salary in the game at the time. And keep in mind he hasn't played a lot, as Tommy said. But for the Yankees, the thing that they have is last season, they their mantra was next man up. But however, the difference is this year is now those guys like Talkman and Ford, who were regarded as prospects, low expectations. They're now expected to carry the load, and if there's a sophomore slump or something like that, then you're looking in a very dark situation for the New York Yankees. Well, the guy I'm most impressed by so far is Clint Frazier, having a fantastic spring so far. Uh, hit a home run the other day. The swing's looking good, some adjustments to the stance as well. Uh, I think he's a good place filler for them, and it's a good opportunity for him because he's been stuck and log-jammed in AAA these last couple of years. And on a lot of major league teams, Tommy, he would be starting in left field or right field, but hasn't gotten that opportunity because the Yankees just have so much depth and are so deep, especially in the outfield. And with Stanton out, do you think he's the one that earns that spot on opening day? Unfortunately, I don't because the Yankees don't have a lot of lefties in the lineup right now, and I think that they will go with Mike Talkman. Um, but he has looked great. I think he'll make the team, but I think they're going to start Oh, I mean, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. But, yeah, I think that they, uh, yeah, I think that they'll go with Talkman starting in left just because yeah. Gardy's the only lefty right now. But um, but Frazier has looked great. You mentioned that homer against the Rays on uh, Thursday, I believe. Crushed it over the left field wall. So glad that he's playing well. His defenses look better as well. And I was looking back. He only made three errors in 2019, but he did misplay a lot of balls that, um, you know, it proved costly. I remember that Sunday night baseball game where he looked uh, quite rough out there in right field, filling in for Aaron Judge. But, um, no, definitely like the improvements that he's made over the offseason. I hope that he gets some at-bats early on. There's some rumor, There were rumors in the offseason that J.A. Happ will be traded, and I'm sure the Yankees are very happy they held on to him now as he will be the number 3 starter most likely. Do you Could you see a potential Clint Frazier trade maybe when Stanton comes back to get another starter to fill in Severino's spot? I think it's possible, but his trade value I don't think is as high as it was before last season just because you know he had all that stuff off the field where um, he was complaining about his teammates. He said speaking on his behalf, but they they really didn't say anything wrong. So there was uh, some turmoil in the locker room that he created. And, you know, teams just don't want that. But he's certainly a talented player. I think that it is quite possible. Um, but at the same time, you have Domingo Herman coming back. Paxton's going to come Very back. True. Um, so Cashman might see them as the replacements because... He said the other day that he's not looking to go outside of the uh, of the organization to uh, get his pitching. Well, I would trust him. Did a good job with it last year, Matt. You got some thoughts? Well, yeah, I think the thing that Cashman's going to do is eventually when these guys get healthy, obviously Severino's done for the year. But with a guy like Paxton, I think 
they're gonna. It's odd for the Yankees because they're gonna go from having no pitching to essentially having too much by the time June, July rolls around. So another question we I should be asking. Enough. Another question we should be asking is, will Cashman use any pitching at the deadline, possibly? to enhance the offense if if that suffers anymore. I would say no just because of the history and you want to hold on to everything you got cuz remember as I just said they thought about trading half and they could have and maybe gotten a nice bullpen piece or whatever it may be but then all of a sudden and you lose two pitchers just like that in 2 weeks of spring training. It's not even full games where pitchers are going 100%. I'd be happy to hold on to as much pitching depth as I could if I was Brian Cashman and I'd maybe even focus at the deadline maybe to get some depth. You don't have to go out and get, you know, uh, a Corey Kluber or a per se or something like that, but you know, maybe get some guys who would be your fourth, fifth man on the rotation that can sit down in AAA, have some options that you could call up just in case cuz look, the Yankees are in a tough spot right now and they're lucky that they have guys like Jordan Montgomery available, King available, and potentially even Devi uh, to hold the fort for them until those guys come back. But what do you think, Tommy? I agree 100%. Just because um, last year the Yankees had so many injuries, I think everybody in the rotation was on the IL at some point. So that's part of the reason that I don't see Cashman uh, trading one of them to add to the offense. And I think the offense is going to be fine because we're coming off of a year where uh, the Yankees set or they set their franchise record in home runs. Obviously, the Twins um, eclipsed uh, the Yankees by, I forget what the total was, but it was only by like eight home runs or something. So definitely a lot of offensive production in that lineup. I think Stanton's going to come back and contribute. At least that's what I'm hoping. And, um, yeah, I don't see Cashman going out at the deadline to get pitching um, or to get hitting, but you never know. Speaking of another former Yankee who will be out for opening day, Tommy's personal friend Joe Girardi has announced (laughs) that Andrew McCutcheon will not be ready for opening day after tearing his ACL last June. This is... I don't want to say a tough break for the Phillies. I think they had this in mind given the fact that he's recovering from an injury that takes usually more than a year. I'm sure they're happy to get him back here in April as he's expected to be back in April after some rehab. And they're going to take their time with him. But the Phillies struggled mightily to find a leadoff hitter after McCutcheon got hurt last season. And they expect him to come back and be that guy who sets the tone at the top of the order. What do you think about this, Matt? I think additionally into his bat, I think this creates a giant problem in the outfield, especially considering he has a knee injury. He hasn't been healthy in the past. Pretty much ever since he left Pittsburgh, he has not been able to play a consistent and full season. And part of that was due to depth with the Yankees, another part due to injury with the Phillies. But I think that overall, I think that this is a huge blow to Philadelphia because honestly, I think their offense sort of runs through him because as you said, you need an offensive you need an offensive leadoff guy and they've been struggling to find that. Oh no, hundred percent. Taking a look at his numbers last season in his fifty nine games with the Phillies at two fifty six, but the on base percentage at four fifty seven or excuse yeah, four fifty seven or excuse me, 378, um, which is incredibly, incredibly valuable at the top of the lineup. Gets on base walk a lot, excuse me, walks a lot as well. And again, they tried Kingry up there. They tried several guys up there at the top of the order, and it just not would not work. They have a great middle of the order when it comes to uh, Harper and Hoskins and so forth, but you got to bridge the gap to those guys and have guys on base for those guys. Yeah, not only offensively, but defensively. I'm looking at this depth chart here, 
And McCutcheon slated to start in left on opening day, but now now that's not going to happen. So you got to look at guys like Bruce Williams, not as talented fielders as McCutcheon. So I'm curious how that will play a role in how Joe Girardi sets his opening day lineup. Yeah, I think in a perfect world, they would like to have Jay Bruce as a platoon guy, maybe potentially coming off the bench more, uh, because you're right. Jay Bruce is not the same defensive outfielder that he was back with the Reds in the early 2010s when he was one of the best. And that's going to be a huge difference maker for them as he can't, he's just not as athletic anymore as he's getting older, does not have much range versus McCutcheon who can cover so much ground. Uh, but it's going to have, they got to take what they have right now and hopefully bridge the gap for a couple weeks for McCutcheon to come back. Tommy, what do you think about this? Um, I think that it'll be great to get Andrew back. Uh, definitely blow the Phillies, but they uh, they have people that can fill in for me. You have Jay Bruce there, obviously not um, McCutcheon caliber, uh, but I think the Phillies will be fine until uh, Cutch returns. Yeah, they also, just looking at this roster in general, they do have a lot of old veteran depth that I'm just realizing with uh, Josh Harrison, Logan Forsyth, Neil Walker even, and they have guys like Seizure as well. So going off of that, if McCutcheon's just out for a short time, I don't think they'll have any problem filling this with a capable veteran. Yeah, I don't think any of those guys play outfield primarily, though, right? You, Seizure is a primary outfielder. Bruce, primary outfielder. Harrison is listed on the, can, on the depth yeah, chart in right in, in right field. Primarily, I think the only guys on that list are Bruce and then Seizure. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting for the Phillies again. Their biggest toll is the bullpen. We've talked about it too many times in this show, uh, but I, I, it'll be interesting. I don't think I don't expect too big of things for the Phillies this year, just because that division is so tight and locked up. But Joe Girardi may work his magic as Tommy, as Tommy over there <laughs> has so much faith in. All right, let's move on to Shohei Otani, a very interesting storyline here these last couple years, and he's also struggled with injuries. Tommy John is he's a dual player. If you guys didn't know, can hit and pitch, and was the Rookie of the Year a couple years back in 2018 and you guys Joe Madden new manager we know how unorthodox he likes to manage a very unique managing style has said that he would be willing to hit him while he pitches even in the American League you have a lot of experience with Joe Madden Matt what do you think about this I'd love it personally that's a classic Madden move right there you know when he was in Chicago you always had to expect the unexpected for better or for most of the time for worse but (laughs) I think that this it's an interesting move on how he's going to play it with Otani, considering he's going to hit. He said he would hit him while pitching in the American League, which is obviously something that we have never seen pretty much in modern history since the implementation of the designated hitter rule. But I think that you know Joe Madden has full control of this team, and he does have a player that is very very versatile in Otani. And when Madden sees a player like that. He jumps on it. You know, with the Cubs, we saw guys like Travis Wood playing in the outfield. We saw Kyle Schwarber move all around the diamond. Same with Javier Baez. And even though those guys are great fielders, with Joe Madden, anyone can play anywhere. Yeah, and what's interesting to me is just looking at the numbers pitching. If he could recover and return to 2018 form, he had a 3-3-1 ERA that year. And right now on that Angels team that has one of the worst rotations in terms of teams competing for the postseason— they need an ace in their rotation, and Shohei Otani could be that guy. 
if the hitting while pitching is going to take away from that and he's going to perform worse, I don't think he should be experimenting with this at all. I think he should be your ace and then hitting you know, three days a week and then give him the day off the day before and after uh, like he was managed before. But I think they got to be careful with him for sure. I think they should put an inning limit on him, pitch count maybe too at the beginning of the season because, look, you can't afford to lose this guy. They already lost Ross Stripling, who hasn't even put on an Angels <laughs> uniform before because that trade did not go through. And that could have changed their chances and hopes wildly. And now you're losing, you could potentially lose Otani again. They don't want to see this happen. And I think he's more, he can make more of an impact as a pitcher than a hitter at this point. Because you do have a lineup that has Mike Trout, a lineup that has Justin Upton, a lineup that has Albert Pujols, who's aging, of course. But they could survive without Otani. I really think it's the pitching that is the biggest difference maker for them. I agree with you. Um, Definitely would rather see him pitch, but he does have quite a bit of pop, hit 18 home runs in 2019. But it is very interesting to think about him potentially um, hitting and pitching um, in the American League because it's only happened once in baseball history. It came on June 30th of 2016 when Madison Bumgarner did it um, against the Oakland A's. Um, So it would definitely be out of the ordinary but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like you said, Matt, Joe Madden does things that you can't believe all the time. I mean, he lives in a van in spring training. So. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, they can they can pull the, the, the general outline for how he was managed the last few years was you have him hit three days of the week and then a day off before he starts and a day off after he starts. It's not the worst idea to me, especially when you have Rendon, who I even forgot to mention in that lineup. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. I think Joe Madden's a smart manager. He'll get it done. Of course, he's going to experiment, and that's what the beginning of the season is for. It's 162 games, so they have time. They just got to be careful with him. But you got a last point? Yeah, last point. Going off of your point, I'm just looking at the step chart, and I honestly don't see where he would fit on a hitting basis from an everyday basis, other than the DH spot, pretty much. But still, you he have Albert Pujols. He could play right th- field, but I don't think he'd be great there. Yeah, but also with the outfield, you're just asking for problems considering his injury history as well. But, yeah, I'd say definitely if I'm Joe Madden, you got to put pitching first. You can throw some curveballs and maybe make some magic happen if you're Joe Madden, but especially with injury concerns, stick him on the mound. No, we will see. With that, we are going to take a break. we got so much more coming up, including a quiz for Matt and Tommy as well as our predictions for the American League West and the National League Central. Much more coming up here on VIC Radio. On the Mound, make sure to follow us on Twitter at On the Mound VIC on Instagram as well. And make sure to stay tuned as we'll be right back. Welcome back to VIC Radio here on On the Mound. I'm Max Tanzer, joined by Tommy Muma and Matt Sossler. we got so much more coming up as we're just at about 8.20 so we got a quiz coming up in our predictions for the American League Central, excuse me, American League West and National League Central. But before that, we have a little quiz because we have a lot of time today. So let's quiz your baseball knowledge. We're going to go on 2019 here, Tommy and Matt. Uh, so it's going to be wins above replacement. The top <laughs> wins above replacement players last season. I want the top 10. You guys are going to go back and forth. And whoever gets the most in the next two minutes will win. All right? Okay. So, Tommy, I'm going to start you off because you won bowling yesterday. Okay, let's see. So, this is all of Major League Baseball? Yes. And it can be anybody in the top ten? Yes. All right, Mike Trout? Yes. Okay. Rendon? Rendon does not make that list. Are there any pitchers on there? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jacob DeGrom? No. Oh, yes, he's number eight. Tommy's up 2-0. All right, Matt, this is big for you. Come on. 
Huh. Bellinger? Yes, he's number one. I was about to say. 2-1, Tommy. Any more pitchers? I feel like I'm asking for a lot of hints, but... Too many hints, and you have the lead. I know. Uh, the new New York Yankee, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, my friend, is not on that oh, list. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, let's go with... You said there are more pitchers? Yes. Scherzer? Max Scherzer is not on that list either. Oh, my goodness. All right. 2-1 Tommy see. still. Let's see. This is tough. Um, Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is not either. There's two Texas Rangers pitchers on here, by the way. <laughs> two <laughs> Texas Rangers pitchers? Oh. Yep. It's Matt's turn, however. Um, are there any other pitchers? There's just those two Texas there's, Rangers. There's another pitcher. Another pitcher. Mm-hmm. Huh. Let's go with... I feel like Verlander's got to be on that he list is. for He is. He's somehow. number five, and Matt has tied it up. We're at 2-2. Tommy, can you take the lead right here? I don't know. I'm going to go with the cheater, Jose Altuve. <laughs> <laughs> Jose Altuve is not on this oh, list either. No. Sign stealing or not, buzzer oh, or not. Uh, I'm going to go with his partner in crime, literally Alex Bregman. He is number two. Matt has gotten numbers one and wow. two. And he now leads three to two, just wow. like that. Tommy, come on, you got to tie it up right here. I'm incredibly lost. Um, I will let you know four, six, seven. Nine and ten are left. Okay. Any New York Yankees on that? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, buddy. All right. Um, DJ LeMahieu is at 19. If that if that's what you oh, want to know. Well, that's great. Garrett Cole is tied for 10th, but I didn't give him to you because he's number 11. He's technically number 11 on this list. Okay. Oh my goodness. Let's think here. Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt is not on that list, my friend. No. Uh, top 10 overall wins above replacement. And we already have one, two. How many people do we have left? We have one who plays on the athletics. Oh. I wasn't asking for teams. Two Texas Rangers no, pitchers. A player that I'm not going to name his team because it's so obvious. And another player because I'm not going to name his team because it's so obvious. All right, let's go. I want to take a swing with the Oakland Athletics. Chris Davis? No. No? This guy finished third in MVP voting. I really think one of you should get this. Is it Matt Olson? No. Oh, no. I'm disappointed. All right, one more guess each. Tommy, if you tie it, we'll go into extra rounds. Okay. A little swing off. Don't, you're looking at your computer right now. No, what are no, you looking no, at? No, no. Show me what you're I'm, looking I'm at. I'm looking at the standings okay. to try to see like the, the teams. Okay, to I try thought to... we saw you were just making fun of Jose Altuve for cheating. <laughs> I'm not cheating. I'm, I'm getting a little nudge from the standings. All right, all right. Well, it's your turn. If you don't get this right here, Matt wins. Come on. Corey Kluber, which is terrible no, because he was you... hurt like okay, all Okay, you lost. Who you said I... Texas Rangers pitcher? It was Lance Lynn and Mike Miner, Lance who both had Lynn. a 7.8 and 7.6 more. Yes, they were both very good, very underlooked. I, I'm sorry. Uh, was Jack Flaherty also on that list? Jack Flaherty was not. Here's the list. Cody Bellinger, Alex Bregman, Mike Trout, Marcus Simeon was Marcus that Oakland Simeon. Athletic who finished third in MVP voting. Justin Verlander, Mike Meyer, Lance Lynn, Jacob deGrom, Christian Yelich, which none of you guys said. Oh, he and Cattell Martin. I thought about it for a second, and then I and then I didn't. I'm but, very disappointed. But Lance Lynn, I mean, that's disappointing because he was with the Yankees. That guy did nothing. <laughs> both of them both of them were very good for the Rangers last year. And were one of the reasons why they were wild card contenders for so long. And then they fell off a little bit. But they have one of the more 
Interesting rotations to follow this season in the American League West with Corey Kluber, the new addition, Lance Lynn, and Mike Miner, and so forth. Speaking of which, let's start with the American League West for our predictions for this season. Guys, let's start off with Matt. What do you got? Well, mine differs from both of yours with the American League West because, you know, I got it interesting. I got the A's finishing first, Astros two, Angels three, Rangers four, and the Mariners in five. I personally think that the A's... They are on the up and up, and that will keep continuing because they don't have the Astros standing in their way this year. I think the Astros are going to face a very tough test in at least 81 of their games on the road, dealing with every single MLB fan that just doesn't like them right now. Also, you have to deal with the idea that they're not going to be perfect at home. So I just don't see the Astros winning the division this year. There's way too much off-the-field issues. There are a lot of off-the-field issues, and it could happen. But here's the thing. It's the same exact team from the last three years. All of them without are... The, without their best teammate, the computer. <laughs> <laughs> they're still good players without the computer. I think we know that. And I, I do think they're one of the best teams in the MLB. Even with losing Garrett Cole, they got Lance McCullers coming back. I think he could be a big guy to replace him if he can return to his 2017-18 form. Uh, I... I like this Astros team on paper. I don't like their antics. I don't like the drama that's surrounded by them. But they're very confident, and they seem convinced that they didn't do this, even though it's been proven that they did. And because of that, I think they'll be confident rolling into 2020. And I I do think they'll win, unfortunately, for Major League Baseball. It's not what you want to see, but I do think they'll win. I do, confidently. I agree, too. My AL West is the Houston Astros, the Oakland A's. Um, Los Angeles Angels, Texas Rangers, followed by the Seattle Mariners, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, But you said it, Max. I mean, this Astros team is pretty much the same minus Garrett Cole. And they feel like they're the victims. They're acting like, you know, everybody's out to get them for no reason. And I agree. I think they're going to come in there. I think they're going to play well. The... Rotation is still very good. Justin Verlander, Zach Granke, Lance McCullers Jr. Um, And then, you know, falls off a little bit. But that lineup is pretty much the same. I think they're all going to have pretty good years. Going to be pretty confident. But I do agree with you, though, Matt, that it will be a challenge for them to overcome all the hit-by-pitches. We've already seen quite a few in spring training already. But I don't even think those are time. legit hit-by-pitches, no, by the way. Five I of them have been either. like on breaking balls. A lot of them have been double-A players. Like, we saw yeah. Bregman get hit <laughs> once, and then Altuve hit on the foot. But what does that mean? And the guy who hit Bregman, it was like a weird change-up thing that just floated <laughs> and tapped him in the back. So, I mean, if he's trying to... Is there any intent on that? And he's trying to send a message. He did not do a good job <laughs> of that, in my opinion. Yeah, the one thing that I think we're also not considering with the Astros is they got Dusty Baker, a first-year manager, for this team. And this is a team that has played their entire dynasty pretty much under A.J. Hinch. So I'm curious how that will impact, and that definitely played a role in me putting them at number two. There's definitely, I mean, there's definitely morale changes. Like, it's going mm-hmm. to be a different there, but they're still a good team, and I think they'll get the job done. Remember, what did the Oakland Athletics do this offseason to make their team any better anyway? You know, I mean, the Athletics are a very good team. Don't get me wrong. I love the pen. Hendricks was such a star last year for them. Trevino was always good. They added Jake Diekman as a left-hander coming out. So they're good. But then you look at their rotation. You have Benea, who's very good coming off injuries. Mike Fires, who is solid, but he's nothing special. And that's their ace. Frankie Montas, who's coming off of PEDs, who, again, I like a lot. But there we go. Question mark. Coming off PEDs. Is it going to be the same? 
you're keeping your core offense in Simeon, Chapman, and Olsen, but really they haven't changed anything. They didn't really add to their starting pitching as well. I think the A's are a 90-win team, but I don't think they're better than the Astros, even with computers or not. So that that's why I'm choosing the Astros. But then again, Matt, as you said, it's really hard to predict whether or not and how they'll react to every team in the MLB hating them. I mean, this is like the first time in forever the Yankees are not the most hated team in Major League Baseball. The Yankees have been able to deal with it. The Astros, this is a little bit different. They're going to be at ballparks where fans are screaming at them, the trash cans constantly being reminded. And I think it's going to slowly, slowly transfer from them rejecting it to them ignoring it and having to accept it because 162 times a year, let's say it even just happens the first 40 games of the year, they're not going to waste their time and energy trying to clap back at the fans and the players. At some point, they're just going to have to swallow it and continue to play and focus on winning and proving these guys wrong. And I hate to defend the Astros in this situation, but they're a very good team, and I think they can handle it. Dusty Baker is a really good guy to come in and kind of slow things down and help these guys out. And we mentioned, too, a couple weeks ago, Rob Manfred's defending these guys, which I disagree with, but he doesn't want them to get hit. So he has their backs, I guess. The Players Union has their backs. (laughs) has their backs, (laughs) <laughs> yes, figuratively and literally. Um, but it'll be interesting. But to finish my point, I do think the Astros will win the West. Yeah, also, I mean, we could talk all day about the top of this division, but also the bottom half of the, the division, we all have the same, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Angel, uh, Angels, Rangers, Mariners? Yes. Down yes. the line? And I think the Rangers and Angels will be close. As we talked about, the Rangers are a very sneaky team. Adding Corey Kluber, Lance Lynn, Mike Miner, obviously, as well. And not horrible offensively either. And we're very good for the first 60% of the season last year. And it really depends on the Angels pitching staff, in my eyes, on who's better. I don't think either of those teams will be the wild card. If I were to tell you my wild card right now, it'd be Rays and A's again. Those are the two best teams that won't win divisions in my eyes. But uh, we'll see. You never know. There's always a surprise out there. I agree um, 100% with that. Um, but I'm looking at the Rangers, and they do look pretty good. I mean, you got Todd Frazier over there at third, who obviously isn't what he once was, but there are some big-time players here, and we mentioned Lance Lynn within the top ten for war last season. And Miner. And Miner, (laughs) that's right. And Kyle Gibson's not bad either. I know. Look at their rotation. You got Kluber, Miner, Lynn, Gibson, and Lyles. Definitely a good rotation. Could give them a chance. And they still have some uh, good sluggers out there. You got Elvis Andrews, Rugnet Odor. Obviously, those guys aren't in their prime along with Shinsu Chu. But they could definitely make something happen. If they're going to win, they have to have the same Drew Miguel from last year, who was an Mm -hmm. all-star. They're going to have to have the same Danny Santana, who was incredibly, incredibly productive. They have to have Guzman be a good bat in the middle of the lineup. He doesn't need to hit 270 for you, but someone who hits 230, 240, and hits 25 out. And the guy I really like is Nick Solak, who I believe they got from the Rays, who was very good in a short stint with the Rangers at the big league level last year. He's a guy who could play in the outfield and at third base as well. And I really think they're going to try and transfer or have Solak replace Frazier at some point this season. as He is one of their power-hitting prospects coming up, and a guy I think who can make an incredibly big impact for this Rangers team. Yeah, going off of that, in addition, they also acquired Robinson Chirinos from the in-state rival Houston Astros. And another thing I want to look at with the Rangers is this bullpen is not bad at all. you got LeClerc closing things out. you got Jesse Chavez, who was great with the Cubs, sort of okay with the Rangers. You got Luke Farrell, same situation, great with the Cubs, pretty much okay everywhere else alongside his journey. But 
I don't see this bullpen does not look bad to me considering how deep the rotation is and how strong their offense looks to be. I think they're going to need some guys to put up some solid seasons. I think with every good bullpen besides the Yankees, honestly, is a bullpen that has guys who you don't expect to step up, come up and put up very productive years. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays last year. Chaz Rowe, Nick Anderson, all those guys, Alvarado, uh, all those guys in that pen were, I don't want to say no names, but you know, you, no one knew who they were. And they all of a sudden are putting up sub-three ERAs and are super dominant, and they could close anyone they want. Emilio Pagan, who's now a Padre, last year was super good for them too. With this Rangers team, they're going to need that. LeClerc struggled a lot last year out of the closing role, and they're going to need him to be shut down at least five days, four or five days a week if they're winning that much. Uh, but we'll see. It's a good bullpen. It's, I don't think it's good enough on paper right now to make a wild card run, but if they have some guys step up, like Montero, like Chavez putting up, he's a veteran and putting up numbers he has in the past. Uh, Nick Goody's been around the league a little bit, Tommy's personal friend. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I like this Rangers team, though, but I don't think they're good enough to compete with the Rays or A's. Yeah, going off of that, I mean, one thing I'm also looking at is their veteran depth down down the depth chart. Guys like Bird, Swihart, you got Nicasio and Volquez also in that bullpen. So definitely the Rangers hoping to catch lightning in a bottle considering where they are in the division. Yeah, we'll see. And getting a new stadium, too. I got it. You got it. Joey Gallo owns that house already. (laughs) They put the grass in. It looks very nice so far. What's interesting is when they brought out the, the blueprint and the projection that they drew, it looked so much like Minute Maid Park. And it was from the same architects, I believe, that created Minute Maid Park in Houston. But now that I'm seeing it in real life, if you guys could go look up the picture, basically they have the grass in and the entire grandstands built, but they're putting the dirt in. It's very pretty. It kind of reminds me of Chase Field. They got that big, tall wall in center field. Uh, but it has a very cool feel to it, and it'll be definitely easier on the players because Globe Life Park didn't have a roof. And in Texas in the summer, you know, it could be above 100 degrees for 20 straight days or so. Now they have that roof in Globe Life Field, which is just across the street. Uh, so there will be AC and so forth. And it, it'll be a very nice place to play and hopefully a place that gets a lot of postseason baseball for the Rangers' sake. Yeah, definitely a lot of postseason baseball. I think in the future, one team that certainly I think you hope will have postseason baseball <laughs> sooner rather than later. Should we talk we, about my Mariners? I mean, I mean, we've got lots of time, and I'm sure you could talk a lot about them. So why don't we let's spend a little bit of time on that. All right. Well, the Mariners are having a pretty good spring so far. I mean, it's more about the young youth movement so far with Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kalnick, both sharing starts, a handful of them, two or three so far this spring. Both have been... Pretty good for the most part. Jared Kelnick's gotten on base five, seven times, four of the seven times, I believe. Julio's struggling a bit more, one for eight, one for nine so far. Uh, but either way, both of those been both of those guys have been very impressive. That's the future of the Mariners, both just 19, 20 years old. You said Kikuchi has looked very good as well. The fastball velocity has jumped up to 95 miles an hour. That slider yesterday was at 90, 91 miles an hour. He even said he threw a 93-mile-an-hour slider which is very good given the fact that, like, generally with a fastball and changeup, you don't want those to be close in velocity because they're both straight, and what's deceptive about a changeup is you see a straight fastball, and then it they pull the string on you, and it dies, and you're out in front. But with a slider, if it's the same velo as your fastball, but that thing's cutting the opposite way in towards a right-hander away from a lefty, it's very tough to hit. So I'm hoping big things for Yusei Kikuchi. They owe him a lot of money. So I want him to do well. Either way, he's a great guy as well. I think there was a lot he had to go through last season. A new son, his father died, pitching in a new country. So we'll see 
His sophomore year, I think, is going to be better. Uh, other news about the Mariners battling for a utility spot. Tim Lopes is really impressed so far. Five doubles this spring, and is hitting over 600 at this point. He got a cup of coffee in the big leagues in the big leagues, excuse me, the last couple of months and put up decent numbers. I really thought Dylan Moore was going to take that spot this year, but now Lopes is giving him a run for his money. Both of them have been very good. Moore hit a home run the other day as well, but Tim Lopes five doubles so far. You got to love it. Both of them could play in the outfield and infield as well. Yeah, I'm also looking at this team and uh, going off very low expectations, but two guys who I wanted to point out, or three guys pretty much, is Vogelbach, former Cub right there. I think that he has great potential. He showed a lot before he was traded for Montgomery a couple years back. And overall, I think he's going to be the spark, one of the big sparks to this team for whatever they can get right now while they're still in this rebuilding stage. Another guy who I'm curious who... If he will make the big league roster, is Carl Edwards Jr. Yes, he will. He 100%. He is not, like, obviously, as a Cubs fan, he's, I don't know if you guys have heard a lot about Tommy. He's a thoughts on Luis Sessa, but he's, <laughs> I think, the same way about Edwards as Tommy thinks about Sessa, and that's every time that he comes into the game, uh, your your heart comes up, out, up well, into your throat. Well, since so. the Mariners are rebuilding, and there's not too much pressure in the pen, it's a great opportunity for veterans who have struggled in the past couple of years to come and get some opportunities in a low-pressure situation, be leaders, and then potentially be shipped off at the deadline if they're doing well. This is the opportunity that's perfect for Carl Edwards Jr. He's looked okay this spring, looked better yesterday in his outing. Uh, but, yeah, this is an opportunity for him to be a setup guy, 7th, 8th inning. He will make the roster, I can almost guarantee it. And if he's doing well, they could ship him off to a team that needs bullpen help. Back on your Vogelback point, too, I love Vogelback a lot. He had a very good first half. He was the Mariners' all-star representative last season. The second half was absolutely brutal for him. The He struggled struck out a lot his biggest the biggest thing that helped him succeed in the first half last season was his approach he walked a lot got on base a lot but then they stopped throwing him inside the home run numbers went down the power numbers went down the walk numbers went down the strikeout numbers went up and it was a difference of hitting about 230 220 before the all-star break and hitting 180 160 or so after the all-star break but i'm hoping the best for him i'm sure you are as well as you love your former cubs (laughs) But either way, we are going to take a break. we still got a lot to cover when we come back, including the National League Central, which is a bit controversial so far. We may have some people raising their voices. I don't think anyone who's listened to this show has heard you raise your voice, Tommy. You may get that when we come back. (laughs) So make sure to stay tuned here on On the Mound on VIC Radio. Keep your eyes on those guitar pedals and your head in the clouds. Listen to Dream Gazing on VIC Radio, Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Hey, Abby, do you know what kind of music balloons are afraid of? Uh, no. What? Pop music. Wow, what a dad joke. Speaking of dads, you should channel your inner dad with dad-approved rock, country, folk, and more on VIC Radio. Join us for Songs Your Dad Likes for nostalgia relief, dad jokes, and great music every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. Welcome back to On the Mound here on VIC Radio. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at On the Mound VIC, also Instagram as well. I'm Max Tanzer, joined by my wonderful co-hosts Tommy Muma and Matt Sossler. We still got more to cover today, as we got about 20 minutes left here on the show. And the National League Central, uh, we thought the National League East was hard to figure out our predictions for, but the National League Central putting this together, I could not make a firm commitment to either team to win this division. 
And obviously, it's really between the Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, and potentially Brewers. Matt, I want to start with you once again. Who, or what I should say, are your National League Central predictions for the 2020 season? Well, my prediction for the 2020 season for the NL Central, it's hard because, as you said, there are a lot of teams that can do well. And I honestly think this division has a good chance of sending three teams to the postseason. However, decisions have to be made. People need to be considered. And my final result, I have the team that plays a little bit south of Chicago and wears red, otherwise known as the St. Louis Cardinals, at number one. I got the Northsiders at number two, Chicago Cubs. Cincinnati Reds at three, that team that the Cubs like to go up and play and completely sell out, even though they can't get a sell at any other time of the year. The Milwaukee Brewers at number four, and the Pittsburgh Pirates at five. Tommy, what we got? Well, let's see here. I've been back and forth with this. I was thinking about changing my picks, but I have the Cardinals followed by the Reds. Yeah, I'm going to switch it up. So we got Cardinals, Reds, Brewers, Cubs, and Pirates. Oh, (laughs) this is interesting now. This is going to be fun. So I agree with you about the the Cardinals. I think that they're going to win the division. Uh, They have a lot of great players, obviously. They have Jack Flaherty in their rotation. They have uh, Dexter Fowler, former Cub in right field, uh, can make things happen on both sides of the ball. Uh, they have Colton Wong, who's a solid player. Paul Goldschmidt, definitely going to make an impact over there at first base. So, like the Cardinals there, and with the Reds, they added Nick Castellanos, uh, another former Cub, Mike Moustakis. Uh, definitely like what they're doing in Cincinnati, but where I... Where I differ here is with the Brewers. I feel like Christian Yelich is going to have a big year, and I know that one player can't carry a team. Um, And obviously their rotation a little rough over there. They're going to try to have Ryan Braun play first base, which has he done? Can I rant about the Brewers a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Tell me why they're signing Brock Holt when they have Eric Sogard, Jed Jerko, Luis Urias, Orlando Arcia, Keston Huria, Ryan Braun at first base now. Justin Smoke, Ryan Healy, and Logan Morrison. That's 10 potential <laughs> infielders, and they're signing Brock Holt? What's going on? I don't understand what you could be adding to their rotation. I, I As just, you mentioned, what's going through their mind? They can add to the rotation, but another thing, Tommy, yeah. you have them in fourth. Other than the guys that Max just named, yeah. name one big-time free agent, or even a middle-of-the-road free Garcia's agent. Garcia's good. Okay, but then got, again, that pushes Braun the first base. Exactly, which is weird. exactly, exactly. You're pushing a veteran guy who has manned that spot in left field since the Narvaez start of is time. Good, by the way, though, Narvaez is a nice pickup yeah. at the catching spot. But keep in mind who they also lose from the catching spot too. They lose Grandal, gain Narvaez. That's yes, Grandal. Not that's a not a good defender. trade. Now here here's where mine differ. My initial thoughts were Cardinals, Cubs, Reds, Brewers, Pirates with Matt. Mm-hmm. But things are getting stirred up here. <laughs> I actually might have Cardinals, Reds. Cubs, Brewers, Pirates, after looking at it, and this is not Tommy. Tommy didn't even say this. I was looking at it while he was talking. Mm-hmm. Let's just look at the Reds pitching right now. First of all, the rotation. Castillo, Gray, Bauer, Desclafani, and Miley. Your bullpen is actually very good now that I was looking at. Former Cub, Pedro Stroop, Michael Lorenzen, who's very solid as well. 
Iglesias, one of the more underrated and best closers in the game. Amir Garrett, who is very solid and hates Kyle Schwarber out there <laughs> pitching the eighth inning as your lefty guy. Lucas Sims, who's a prospect. They're looking to be big. Jesse Biddle, who's been around the league a little bit, but another left-handed option. And then you add Nicholas Castellanos, Mike Moustakis, and you have Eduardo Suarez once he's healthy. I think this is a good Reds team. There's a lot of question marks, and that's where I've been bouncing up and down the last few months or so, is you need guys to step up and live up to these expectations in order to be good. But the pitching is so good. And now let's look at the Cubs pitching, where you have Lester, who's aging. Darvish, I'll give you that. Darvish was fantastic last year. I expect a lot from him. Hendricks, who's solid. Quintana, who's solid. That doesn't compare at all to the Reds rotation. And then the bullpen is Craig Kimbrell, who I expect to be better this year with the full spring training. And then you go to Kyle Ryan, Brad Ritt. Brad Wick, excuse me, Jeremy Jeffers, who's an interesting one, was an all-star in 18, had a very bad year, was DFA'd by the Brewers in 19. I, I don't think it's a good bullpen. I really don't. You have Morrow, who's good too, but compared to the Reds, the pitching is so much better, and their offense is still good that I do think they'll finish better than the Cubs now. I, I actually think I'm at a firm stance, unless you could convince me, Matt. Can you convince I, I think, me that I think the, Reds, they, the Reds, they have a chance. They have a chance, okay? But, Tommy, I got a quick question to ask you. What do yes. you call Nick Castellanos a week ago? <laughs> oh, answer, answer, answer honestly. Answer honestly. I will answer honestly, and I still believe it. He is overrated, but that does not take away from the fact that he will. He has helped the Reds improve, and he will in 2020. But I don't know. I just don't get the hype because he's a solid player. He's very good, but I don't think he's a team that's going to. Because I've heard people say that the Reds are going to win the division partly because of that. I don't think he's a player that's going to take you to that next level, but I Here's, think I agree he, with you. I he think, puts them above the cup. I think that the pitching is what will carry them, and the fact that they have Castellanos they, that they could put behind Suarez, giving him protection, and Castellanos being a solid piece, that's enough. Yeah. You know, It's not going to be the equivalent of Garrett Cole impacting the Yankees' pitching staff to... Castellanos is not that equivalent for the Reds' offense in this situation, but still very good last year. I had an incredible second half with the Cubs. Hit 321, OPS over 1,050 games with the Cubs after the trade deadline. But I, I, overrated might be a little strong. I think the reason why people were freaking out, Tommy, is yes. because this guy was unheard of in Detroit because they've been very bad the last few years. Was the only guy really standing out for them, and then all of a sudden he leaves and in a postseason atmosphere, steps up big time for the Cubs. That's why people loved him. Mm -hmm. I would say it helped him in terms of getting more money and adding more flair to maybe his agent had more to argue. Mm -hmm. But we'll see how it goes with the Reds. Well, another thing going off of what you just mentioned about Castellanos is that he was off the map in Detroit. And that's because, and he was sort of on the map in Detroit as well because he was their only, only guy who could probably even hit a baseball. Because that Detroit team was just that was one of the worst Detroit teams in the history of the franchise <laughs> strong, with an but... aging Miguel Cabrera. And so I think he stood out a lot there. When he came to Chicago, he sort of fell into the likes of Bryant Rizzo Schwarber playing with good ball players. Another thing, switching topics a little bit, you guys like Aristides Aquino, Mike Lorenzen, Ooh, I don't even Akiyama, know. are those guys even gonna have a good sophomore year? I don't think they you matter that much at this point. Because, look, you have Waker, who's good. Akiyama is a question mark because he's coming from Japan. We'll see. But you bring in Castellanos, and now you have the option, if Aquino does bad, to send him back down to AAA. 
Yeah, and then you have Sincel starting center, who I think is a top prospect, and you do have to balance on him putting up a big season. But either way, I think Castellanos does fill that gap a little bit because before this, you're right, Matt. There is a little bit of you know uncertainty with these players because you've never seen a full season from them, maybe besides Sincel and Winker. But adding Castellanos solidifies, if that makes sense, the Cubs outfield, I mean, excuse me, the Reds outfield and the middle of that lineup. Moustakis is in there, too. We haven't talked much about him. That's a good guy. That he, This lineup could go Suarez, Castellanos, Moustakis. It, it's beautiful, in my opinion. I think that's good enough with the talent they have pitching-wise to get the job done because that pitching will you know, give up two, three runs a game, and as long as they could stay in that range, three or four, I think they're fine, and the bullpen's good enough to hold the lead as well. Yeah, and you're also forgetting about a future Hall of Famer in Joey Votto, but the one thing that, the reason why I have the Cubs over the Reds is because I'm looking at this bullpen, and even though these names sound really, really nice and really, really strong, Iglesias, he was, a, he was good last year. I'm uncertain if he'll be able to keep up what he's done. Amir Garrett, he, he's a good pitcher. Don't get me wrong. His stats are all good. Everything's good there. All but right, but same, I can say the same, same thing about the Cubs. Same situation. Can, the Cubs have less, in they, my opinion. They have less, but also you, the, say Cubs, look, the Cubs' bullpen's weak. I'll, I'll admit that straight off the bat. I think the Reds' bullpen is better, though. Oh, I, I would agree. However, I think in this situation, I could easily see a bullpen like this weighing down an offense like that. Very similar but to I'm, what happened to the Cubs early last season. But I'm I'm... All I'm saying is that the Reds will be in second place better than the Cubs. I think the Cardinals have a better bullpen when it comes to Miller, Gallegos, Rabia, and so forth. I really do think they have a better pen, and that's what will carry them to first. Now, the Cardinals have their own problems in terms of offense. They're losing one of their best hitters in Ozuna and trying to have Tyler O'Neill replace him. We'll see how that goes. Former Mariner prospect, by the way. But in terms of the pitching, and I value pitching a lot, I think if you have a good rotation and a good staff in general— as long as you have an offense that can put up more than two, three runs per game, that should be enough to win 90, 92, or so forth and make you a potential wild card contender. But the Cubs now, I think they're middle of the pack in every quandary, maybe uh, slightly better offensively than both the Cardinals and the Reds, but I don't think it's enough to make them stand out. Do you, did you, did you disagree? I mean, I, I agree. I sort of agree with you. I think, I mean, the Cardinals are in first right now for me. However, that is solely that. dependent on if Jack Flaherty can mat- can even get into the same ballpark as he was last year with his numbers because I personally think if Flaherty can't execute the same way he did last year, now they do have Hudson, they do have Michaelis. Keep in mind, though, that Jack Flaherty was unworldly last year. Anything right. like worse and normal would, for a lack of a better term, would be three four three five, which is still very good. It's still very good, but also keep in mind how tight this division was without the Cincinnati Reds being on top. That division but came the down to the last a step down. So you could argue that it'll be the same, pretty similar now. But I think that if you think that about it that way, this division wasn't decided until three days left in the season. Yes, very true. So if you argue and that's that, why it was so hard to project this exactly, yeah. and that was with Jack Flaherty playing almost perfect baseball. You're right, and I think Adam Wainwright's an even bigger question mark because he was very good for them last year. Injuries, too. Yeah, but he's getting older, and it's been up and down for him in the past. They need him to step up as well. You can argue the same with Dakota Hudson. Again, another young guy who was very good, and you have to rely on him a lot. 
But we'll see. I, I do believe in this Cardinals team. I would like them to see and go and get themselves a Chris Bryant or a Nolan Arenado or someone. Just a power bat. They need like a Nicholas Castellanos, for example. A Yasiel Puig. Someone like that. Yasiel Puig's still a free agent, by the way. But they need a bat in the middle of that lineup. Well, another thing There's is, not enough. Another thing is last year, given that they had Ozuna, given that they had Goldschmidt as well, that created a dynamic which made it very difficult. You had to pitch to both of them. And that created issues, and there's now there's no one to protect. There's no one. Yeah, Great there's point. no one to protect there Goldschmidt right now. There is zero. You have okay. It's probably going to go Paul Goldschmidt three, Tyler O'Neill four. Tyler O'Neill has yet to play a full season at the big league level. He has lots of pop. Don't get me wrong, but can he put up the numbers where Paul Goldschmidt comes up with runners on the runner on second base, and they're not going to walk Goldschmidt to face O'Neill? I don't know. I would walk Goldschmidt to face O'Neill right now. We'll see. Again, that's a question mark as well. And there's a lot of question marks in the National League Central. That's why I think either way you go, as long as it's the Cardinals, Cubs, and Reds at the top in some form, I think you're making a good choice. So Yeah, I think I agree with you. You really can't go wrong. But let's also talk about, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> they were kings of this division uh, two years ago. And now two, at least two of us have them in fourth. So... I personally think the reason why, you know, a lot of people might think... Who'd you have in the fourth again, Tommy? I had the Cubs. Oh, my. <laughs> no, I know. You think that you might, some people might think that it's personal bias, but <laughs> I think that, honestly, there's data to back this up. I'm looking at the rotation right now, and they did not add anybody. They did not add anyone, and they lost guys like Gio Gonzalez, even though, you know, you say you lose a guy like Gio okay. Gonzalez. Okay, I mean, I think that runs through Josh Hader, and Josh Hader only... And well, even, Suter was good, Knable's good, Peralta they just extended. Knable's had Knable has not been able to stay off the IL. Let's say they stay so. healthy. In in this case, everyone stays healthy. Who's going to win these divisions? That's where that's how I base it off of. But Claudio, his job may be affected from the three batter minimum rules, so we'll see how that goes. But either way, Knable has good, he's good enough. I think he's better. He'd be the setup man in the Cubs bullpen. Honestly, you have Freddie Peralta, who they just extended. He's very good. Uh, Brett Suter, who dominated in the wild card game last year from the left side, doesn't throw hard at all. A rare, a rare case, but is so good at changing speeds and so forth. And then you have Josh Hader, so it's not horrible. I, I, it's respectable. But then you get to the rotation, and it's Woodruff, Hauser, Anderson, Lindblom, Lauer, who they got from the Padres, who they switched for Davies. We'll see. I don't think it's enough. I think the Cubs pitching is. Uh, I don't know. I think really, like if the Cubs, if they the had rotation. the Cubs rotation and the Brewers bullpen, those teams uh, would be better. I, I, I got to disagree with you there because <laughs> I'm looking at this in the Cubs rotation. I, no, no question about it. The Cubs rotation is better. Is That's what I said. All, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. But also looking at this bullpen, I think you can easily. I mean, Josh Hader is better than Kimbrel, but then going down from there, I mean, you got Kyle Ryan, one of the best ground ball pitchers in the game. You've Rowan Wick, who is one of the best rookie studs, rookie breakouts last rookie, year. Rookie, rookie, rookie. Brad Wick, Brad Wick, same thing. You got Jeremy Jeffers, who's a veteran, will sort of nurture that bullpen. And if he if he can stay on the team, if he, if he can stay on the team, but I think in a bullpen like this, he pitched he pitched very well at Wrigley Field. And you have Tyler Chatwood, if he doesn't get the fifth spot, also in that bullpen, he did very well. Even though he walks a lot of guys, a if lot can, of ifs in that though. But still, a lot of so you could say the same about the Brewers. You could say the same about the Reds. At this point, I think I could ifs. trust Josh Hader no matter what. I think I could trust. You could, tr- you could trust Josh Hader against Monsoto? 
<laughs> Look, that's baseball. Baseball happens. But I could trust Josh. You would take Josh Hader. Don't don't lie to me. Well, I I, I take I take Josh Hader. Josh Hader over would Juan be Soto. the best pro. Yeah. But I wouldn't take Trent Grisham over Juan Soto. Oh, okay. There we go. There. Well, he's on the Padres now. So, uh, but Hader I think is great. Suter I think you could rely a lot on as well. Knable, if we're if health is out of it again, very good. No matter what, Claudio's the one question mark I think is affected. Peralta's again very good too, and they're committed to him they put money into him before he's even put up like an extremely good season they're relying a lot on him as well so I, I i do think the brewers have a slightly better pen but the cubs have the better rotation so it just depends on what you value and again we're arguing two or three games between the third and fourth place teams in this division arguably so i i i don't think there's the biggest we'll see all these teams are capable of making the playoffs in my opinion maybe besides the brewers so we'll see it'll be interesting but with that that is going to wrap up our show we thank you so much for tuning in coming up next is every dude's fantasy make sure to tune in for them as well they are great and make sure to follow us on social media on the mound vic on twitter and instagram once again we thank you so much and have a great rest of your weekend